Believe. Who was instrumental in your faith? You see, everyone believes. Everyone believes. You may not believe in Jesus, but everyone believes in something. People that are passing by this place of worship, they, they have faith. They believe something. If you are an atheist and you believe that there is no God, you have faith that there is no God. Every day that you navigate through the complexities of life, you're navigating your faith in believing. If you're agnostic, some of us maybe came from that place where you believe maybe there is a God or some kind of a force in this world, but it's not personal. It, it's not, it does not care about your affairs, your personal affairs, and so you live life very far removed from God. But we all believe. And when Jesus Christ comes into our life, that's the whole thrust of him coming is for you to have faith in him, for you to begin to trust in the maker and the sustainer of life. That's who Jesus is. We learned this in John's gospel. We've been going through the gospel of John, and, and, and we've learned that the, the whole thrust of, of this narrative that the apostle John puts together is for people to believe. He uses seven miracles or seven signs to, to point people to trust in the one that came and called himself the Savior of the world. The writer of Hebrews put it like this. Faith shows the reality of what we hope for. It is the evidence of things we cannot see. Through their faith, the people in days of old earned a good reputation. By faith, we understand that the entire universe was formed at God's command. And what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. It came from the hand of the Almighty God. In chapter 4 of John... Jesus meets this woman at a well that was an outcast. We'll go into it later. And he tells her, true worshipers will worship the, the, the God in spirit and in truth. And so we're here and we're worshiping the God of the universe in spirit and in truth. And everybody is hoping for things to get better. As we went through the difficulty of 2020 and, and the difficulty of 2021, our hope is that things will get better. We come into 2022 and this, this huge war that's going on right now, we're praying for things to get better. We're trusting the Lord for him to do his work of good in our world. Amen? That's what we're called to do. The anchor of our hope is always based on our faith. And so if our faith is placed in the wrong person or the wrong faith object, you'll find out that your faith will quickly be depleted and you will have a lack of faith. And there are a lot of people who have depleted hope. But Jesus came to fill us with hope. Jesus came so that you could trust in the one who is faithful no matter what we're going through. So if you're here today and maybe you're depleted of hope, maybe you're depleted of, of, of all the things that keep you anchored in God, you're at a good place because I believe God has a word for you. 
If you're watching online, you need to know that, that Jesus is your hope. He is your anchor. He is the one that you can trust no matter what you're going through. And so I want us to go to John's Gospel, chapter 3, verse 31 through 36. And as we read this narrative, it's going to help us to, to really understand the importance of believing, the importance of faith. Here's how verse 31 starts out in the NLT. He has come from above. And if you have your outline, you can underline that. That's a great thing to underline because Jesus came from where? He came from above. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are from the earth, John the Baptist talking, we are from the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Verse 32, he testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. That's important right there. Put that in your pocket. How few will believe what he tells them. Verse 33, anyone who accepts his testimony can affirm that God is true. For he is sent by God. He speaks God's words. For God gives him the spirit without limit. The father loves his son and has put everything into his hands. And everyone who believes in God's son has eternal life. That's a big amen for me. Anyone who doesn't obey the Son will never experience eternal life, but remains under God's angry judgment. And we'll, we'll dissect this. There, there's some things that I want for us to take away from this passage, the importance of believing. Here, here's point number one. What or who you believe matters. Who you believe matters. When John the Baptist said, he has come from above and is greater than anyone else, this is a very profound statement. Because if it's true, then there's nothing or no one in life that is, that is greater than Jesus Christ. And no matter what you're facing, no matter what we're up against, it is not bigger than God. To John the Baptist, it was a fact because he had been given revelation from the Father. And when he said to him, the one whom you see the Spirit of God descending on him, when he baptized him, this is he who is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the one. He's the Savior of the world. And so John the Baptist didn't just, he knew it was a fact and he believed and trusted in Jesus. And here's my question to us as we start this, this message is, do you trust in Jesus with your whole heart? Do you believe that he is the savior of the world? Because when we believe that, it changes everything that we do in life. What we believe matters. When we believe it, no matter what we're going through, we trust him to get us through. We trust that he is with us, that he's going to lead us. So John the Baptist believed it, and, uh, and there's a lot of really, really smart people that the world perceives as smart, or they, they, will, they will esteem them as very intellectual, and many of those people have come to the end of their lives or come to the end of the place in their lives 
where they know that, that their intellect is not enough. The great uh, uh, thinker, uh, C.S. Lewis, is one of them. And C.S. Lewis put it like this. He said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. But if it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. In other words, if, if Christianity is true, is if Jesus is real and he's true and he's right about everything he claimed, it's the utmost of importance in our life. If he's not, then it doesn't matter. Let's not even talk about it. Why do we gather? There's a lot of things we could be doing on a Sunday morning. Amen? But it's not something that we just say, ah, it's all right. Or maybe it's so. The reality, it's vitally important. John the Baptist went on to say, he put it like this, we are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. That is such a foundational scripture for us today. Our earthly life, the, the, the only thing, the only thing that we as people know how to compare God to is the earthly life that we live in. Think about it. When we're comparing God, we, we, we compare him to things that are normative to us. But how are you going to compare an infinite, omnipotent, omnipresent God with anything or anyone that we experience here on earth? God is not like your dad. No matter how good your dad was or how bad your dad, dad was, God is greater than him. He's not like your mom. He's not like your grandma or your favorite dog or your favorite cat. He's not like an eagle. He's not like a lion. He's not like a moose. I say that because yesterday we took our granddaughter to the zoo and she loves lions. She, she thinks she is a lion. And so she said, Grandpa, the lion. Rawr. But the reality is that's not who God is. He's a lot greater than even a lion. He's not like a statue that is formed with human hands. Now think with me. Are there any religions, faith-based systems, that put their trust in a statue? And those statues that they put their trust in, they make them in the form of what? Something that they know. Something that is tangible. Here's what the scriptures say about that Paul is writing to the church in Rome, and this is a very pivotal scripture that will show us that what we believe in matters. This is what Paul writes. He says, claiming to be wise, he's talking about people, they instead become utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, this is who Jesus came to reveal, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. There's a place in, 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 the, in the Corinthian church. Paul goes into Athens as he's writing, as, as he's going in the book of Acts. He goes into Athens and there, the, the Athenians had made all kinds of gods. And they even had one god that they had made to the unknown god. And Paul begins to preach to people, maybe like a crowd like this. And he begins to preach. He says, I'm here to tell you about the unknown god. And that unknown God was revealed to us in Jesus Christ. And so this is so important for us to, to understand this. Verse 24, so God abandoned them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desires. Now that's important right there. What you believe matters because if you believe the wrong things, it will lead you to do the wrong things. Are you with me? 
It goes on, he says, uh, as a result, they did vile and degrading things which which each other's bodies, they traded the truth about God for a lie, so they worshiped and served the things God created instead of the creator himself, who is worthy of eternal praise. The reason that it matters what you believe is if you believe the wrong thing, it will lead you to live the wrong life. Before Jesus came into my life, there were a lot of things that I did that were against God. When Jesus became real in my life, and he became true, and I believed and I trusted in him, he began to change the things that I worshipped and the things that led me astray. You may be in here, you may be watching, and you've been worshipping the wrong thing. And you can tell by the way that's making your life being lived out. And when you worship the right one, good things happen. Here's how the psalmist put it. Psalms 115, verse 3 through 8. Our God is in the heavens, the psalmist said, and he does as he wishes. In other words, he's sovereign. Their idols, he's talking about people again, their idols are merely things of silver and gold shaped by human hands. They have mouth, but they cannot speak. They have eyes, but they cannot see. They have ears, but cannot hear, and noses, but they cannot smell. They have hands, but they cannot feel, and feet, but they cannot walk, and throats, but they cannot make a sound. And those who make idols are just like them as all who trust in them. Men and women are notorious for worshiping what is tangible and what is familiar. And we try to turn God into something familiar. And when we do, we distort his reality and his purposes for our lives. In fact, one of the things that God has grown me in and continues to grow me in is the reality that I can never compare him to anything in this world that is made up in his creation. As good as my dad was, and I love my dad, he was, he was one of my heroes, he fell short of the glory of God. God is so much greater than him. As great as some of the people that, that, that I admire are, they're not greater than God. God is so much greater than them. As strong as the greatest animal that we have in this life is, he doesn't have the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus alone encompasses what we can. So what and who we worship really matters. What you're believing right now really matters. Hear me now. See, a lot of times people hear things and, and, and demonic forces will try to penetrate and distort the true purposes of God. You know, when you have a seance and you, and you speak to the dead, you're not speaking to the dead. You're speaking to a demon, and, and, and those demons try to come in. This, and I think someone needs to know this today. It tries to come in. It tries to usurp your relationship that you have with God. And the only way we have a relationship with God is through the mediator whose name is Jesus Christ. Amen? And, and so what's going to happen, what's going to happen, it's happened. We're seeing it in Scripture. What's going to happen is is the enemy wants to take you away from this relationship that you have with the true God. And the only way that you can have a relationship with the true God is through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said this in John 14, verse 6. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. And I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through, through me. So there's no way to God outside of Jesus. Not through his mother not through his brothers, not through anyone else. The only way to the Father is through Jesus. What you believe and who you believe matters. And if you have not trusted in Jesus and Jesus alone, 
Let me tell you something. You can be led astray, but God has brought you here, or God has you hearing and watching this message so you can trust in the one who is true. Amen? Here's the second point. What we believe will determine who we become. You and I will live out what we believe. If someone tells you that you are worthless and they reinforce this over and over and over and over, you will start believing that you have no worth. But that's not the voice of God. In fact, you're worth everything to God. But the sad thing is that people, few people believe the words of Jesus. More people believe the words that are being told them that go contrary to the words of Jesus. And that's why as we live out our faith, you, you become what you believe. The more that I have internalized the word of truth, the more that God's word has become a part of my life, the more that I walk in the, in the, in the identity of Christ, in the new, I'm anchored and rooted in Christ, and I walk that out and I live that out, and you begin to belong to the things of God. It's how you become the things of God. John the Baptist put it like this. He testifies about what he has seen and heard, but how few believe what he tells them. Why is this so important? Because what you believe and who you believe has a power to change your life. Jesus has a power to change our lives. Verse uh, 33 in, in chapter 3. Anyone who accepts this testimony can affirm that God is true. The more we believe Jesus, the more that we know that God is true and he's real. And he can do things that we can't do. Why do people have trouble trusting and believing in God? Why do people struggle with that? Think for a moment. Because they have trouble trusting and believing the words of Jesus. And who doesn't want for you to believe the words of Jesus? The enemy of your soul. Who doesn't want for you to walk out the purposes of Jesus? The world. Who doesn't want for you to just hone in on the words of Jesus? Your flesh. Your flesh wants to live out your own purposes instead of God's wonderful purposes for you. Now, there are some times, as you read the word of God, there are some times that you read things and, it's, and, 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 and they're difficult. They're difficult for us to grasp. They're difficult at times for us to receive. The disciples were no different of it. They were no different. As we go through, through John, we're going to go to John chapter 6. And in, in John chapter 6, Jesus says some words that were very difficult for them to grab a hold of. He talks about the manna that Moses gave. And he said, the true manna is the son of God. He said, unless you eat the body of the son of God, you cannot have eternal life. And so the people that were hearing him were saying, how are we going to eat your bodies? Calling himself, I'm the son of man. I'm the son of God. You have to eat my body. Unless you drink the blood of the son of man, you will not have eternal life. And though they struggled with those words, they were figurative words, but they didn't know that. And so when they heard those words, they, instead of them receiving Jesus, they walked away from Jesus. And this is what happens in John chapter 6, verse 59. 
It says, many of his disciples turned away and they deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the 12 and asked, are you also going to leave? Now, let's just pause right there. It's interesting to me that that, that, that verse where it says that many of the disciples turned and, and, and left Jesus, they abandoned him. Notice that it's John 6, 66. 666. Isn't that interesting? And, and, they, and they walked away from Jesus. And, and look at what he says to, to the disciples. Jesus turned to the 12 and he asked, are you also going to leave? And so here's a word for the American church. Are you also going to leave when things get hard? Right? Are you also going to abandon me? Because we've gone through all kinds of difficulties, all kinds of things that have been happening. Are we going to desert Jesus? He'll never desert us. But people walk away from Jesus. Amen? And look at what the 12 said. Or Simon Peter, he, he replied, Lord, to whom would we go? You have the words that give eternal life. And look at the next, next verse. We believe and we know that you are the Holy One of God. Now hear me, this is important. This is so important right here. Jesus is gathering his church. And we're made up in a, a lot of different places. But his church gathers to celebrate one thing. How great he is. You see, beloved, he's got the words of eternal life. Every day that we, that we eat these words, every day that we, that we allow these words to penetrate our lives, every day that we allow Jesus to speak into our circumstances, we hear God. And he's going to lead us and he's going to guide us. But let me tell you something. Your flesh will try to run away. Your, 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 uh, your, the, the world will try to pull you away. The enemy of your souls will try to tempt you. He'll try to lead you to places. And what you believe and who you believe. Let me tell you, there's a lot of voices in our heads. I'm going to be doing a series right after Easter. I'm going to do my, my series, and I believe God's leading me there. So pray for me. I'm going to be doing a series on, on mental health. And it affects all of us. Because all of us have a lot of voices in our heads. Amen. A lot of us have thoughts in our mind that we're like, where in the world did that come from? There's an enemy that wants to plant these thoughts. And the world is feeding that. And your flesh is fighting against all the things of God. Hear me. God doesn't separate his people. God brings us into unity. John 17. Amen. The enemy separates his people. And what you believe will be who you become. If we want to become a church that walks in the purposes of God, we've got to trust Jesus every step of the way. If we want to, if we want to be the, the people that make a difference in our families, you've got to believe Jesus more than what's going on with your kids and your grandkids. That's, I know that's an important call. We always get an important call whenever we're at that place. Believing is something that we all struggle with because there's a battle for us. There's a battle for our souls. I, I love the way that, that uh, St. Thomas put it. Thomas, Thomas Aquinas put it like this. To, to one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. I'm going to pause right there because this is such a powerful quote. To, to one who has faith, you don't have to explain the things that are going on. You're not... He's going to believe. He's going to trust God no matter what he's facing. Amen? Now, now you, may, you may find this very, very familiar, what he says after that. To one without faith, 
no explanation is possible. Have, have you ever talked to someone and you talk to someone like till you're red in the face and you're trying to, 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 to bring them across the threshold of faith and they, don't want, they want nothing to do with it? Can I tell you that, that when that happens, you can trust God to do his part and you don't have to talk and badger and push Jesus on anybody. You can just say, you know what, I'll share the Lord, but I'm going to walk out his purposes and let God do the rest. To one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. But to one without faith, no explanation is possible. To one who believes in God, you trust through the difficult circumstances of life. In fact, you grow in your faith because of the difficult circumstances of life. How many of you have grown in your faith because of challenges that you faced? Yeah. You can believe that you're a child of God and your faith will determine who you become or you can believe that you're a product of your past and you're defined by your failures. And believing the lies will determine who you become or believing the truth will determine who you are. Steve, uh, Stephen Curry, the great, the great basketball player, NBA star, he said something that I thought was, was really good. He said, it doesn't matter where you come from or, or what you have or don't have. All you need is to have faith in God. Let's just pause right there. Now, here's a, here's a guy that, that people uphold, is, is, esteem him very highly. But his trust is not in, in people or his basketball skills. His trust is in his faith in Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, an, an undying passion for what you do and what you choose to do in this life and a relentless drive and the will to do whatever it takes to be successful in whatever you put your mind to. The, the, the whole thrust of who, his, who he, he has become comes from his faith in the living God. And he doesn't stop. He's got a passion to, to be the best that he can be. He, he, he's going to push through the difficulties so that he can become everything God called him to become. Now, here, here's the thing. You may not become an NBA star, but you can become everything God wants you to be. You can be the best in your field where you're at if you do it for the glory of God. Here's point number three. What we believe will shape our decisions. You see this in, in, uh, in secular psychology as well as in, in, in biblical theology. It doesn't matter. People that study understand that, that what you believe will be what you will live out. There's a, there's a psychologist, uh, a life coach, uh, by the name of Linda Henman, and she, she put it like this, every decision starts with a belief. That is, we base our decisions on what we know to be true and what we believe. And sometimes, however, we believe something that isn't true. And so you live out your life in a lie. People that think they're a product of a molestation, people that think that they're a product of a rape, people that think that they're a product of a divorce, people that think that they're a product of, of, of some kind of abuse or maybe a, a, a financial tragedy that they had, all these things. If you base your life on that instead of who you are in Christ, 
you'll begin to live out that oppressed life. But let me tell you something. Jesus came to make your life better. God is for you. And you will make decisions on what you believe. Do some reflection real quick right now. Tell me if I'm wrong when I say what you believe shapes your choices. Think with me. In your marriage, do, do your beliefs shape the way that you guys are with each other? In your, in your relationship, maybe with, your, with a sibling, maybe with a, with a parent, do, do, is the way that you believe, it, does it shape the way that you make your choices? With your finances, your belief system is, is why you're spending what you spend or don't spend what you spend or save what you save or don't save what you save. Everything that we do has to do with what we believe. Now, now let's just put this equation in there. What if God is the centerpiece of your life? Because God shows us how to do relationships. Amen? In marriage, you know, the, the word of God tells us, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. He gives me a very simple uh, formula for success as a husband. I should love Shauna the way that Christ loved me, and he gave himself up for me, so I need to give myself up for my wife. That's truth. Amen? Now, is that easy to do? No. Can I do it? Yes. Why? Because of the Holy Spirit in me. Amen? The, the word of God tells my wife, Respect your husband. Submit to him as to the Lord. Is that easy for her to do? I'm nothing like the Lord. Let me just tell you that. He's so much greater than me. Amen? But she chooses to respect me because of the Lord. And when she does, it makes me better. And it makes our relationship better. It tells us in the word of God, do not, fathers, do not exasperate your children. Don't burn them out. Telling them, you got to do this. Why didn't you do this? It's not good enough. It's, if you were told someone that it's not good enough, it's, you should do it better, better, better. And before you know it, they're not even listening anymore. Or when you, when, you, when you spank and you beat someone over and over and over again, after a while, those beatings don't work. Amen? You exasperate. You burn them out. But raise them up in the admonition of the Lord. You encourage. You build them up. And God does it. Amen? How, how about a friendship? God, the, the word of God says that Jesus stays closer to us than a brother. He said, uh, not only do I call you my servants, I also call you my, my friends. And he shows us how to do relationships in everything that we do. So when you put your faith in Jesus and he begins to be the centerpiece of your life, everything changes. Your finances you begin to handle them God's way. Your, the, what, your relationships, you begin to do them God's way. Now, when you're not doing them God's way, what, what's the problem? You're not believing him. You're believing a lie. Because here's, here's a lie in my relationship with my wife. My, in my relationship with my wife, I could believe this lie. I will love her when she respects me. The life for Shauna is I will respect him when he treats me the way I want to be treated and loved. But the word of God doesn't tell us that. The word of God tells me that I love her no matter if she respects me. Amen? Because it honors God. Are you with me? The, the, and, when, and with your finances, it's okay for me to do things with my finances this way. You know, even if it's contrary to God, 
But the reality is God's word is truth. He says the borrower is a slave to the lender. Think about it. And, and, and this, American, uh, you know, this American society that we're in, we're in, there's no debt at all. Nobody's in debt, right? God's word prevails in everything we do. You know, Paul, Paul as he wrote to the, to the church in Rome again, in Romans chapter 2, verse 4, he says, it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance. So it's not God's wrath that makes me turn around. It's not that God wants to beat me. It's not that God wants to send me to hell. God didn't want any of that for us. That's why he sent his son. And his son took my wrath on the cross. He took everything for me so that when I relieved in him, when I trusted in him, I was walking away from God. And through his kindness, he drew me back to Jesus Christ. And it was his kindness that led me to repent. Hear me now. I believe that. I believe that God is good in everything he does. Do you? Do you believe that God is good? The Apostle Paul, again, writing to, uh, to the church in Rome, Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. He says this. He said, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, the declaration of your mouth, and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Saved. What you believe matters, and what you believe is who you will become, and what you believe will dictate your choices. And so this week, if we start everything out with our faith in Jesus Christ, can I tell you something? Good things are going to happen. His peace will rest on you no matter if there's chaos in your life. He will get you through. Your relationships will be made better. Someone in here maybe needs to tell a spouse, I'm sorry, please forgive me. Someone maybe needs to, to come before the Lord and, and maybe you're struggling with some mental things and you need to say, Lord God, I need some help up here in my mind. I need for you to, to help me with my anxiety, to help me with my fear. Maybe some of you need to go see some, uh, a professional counselor to help you through the process. Let me tell you, those, those are all positive things when it's based on the word of truth. We don't have to stay stuck believing a lie. We can be set free by believing the truth. And his name is Jesus Christ. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for this time that we've had. Lord, I pray that, uh, that your word will just permeate our hearts and our minds. That you will guide us, Lord, in truth. And as we trust in you, Father, as we put our whole heart in trusting in you, that you will make our path straight. We pray this in Jesus' name. And all of God's people said amen. And amen. Let's stand up and worship our King.